Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 83. And tonight, our Halloween special, Simpsons style. No, we didn't really plan for that. Yeah, give me a little more heads up next time, Sam. I'll have something prepared. <laughs> somebody, somebody will die on the show, right? At least twice. So, uh, yeah, this was uh, quite the weekend for you and I, Argo. We uh, spent the weekend cooped up in a classroom together, writing code. That was fun. Yeah, it was good times. It reminded me of last year when we were like, these new uh, stack views are the coolest thing ever. And then we tried them out and we were like, these are kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we tried to update that app. Yeah. And they were even more annoying. <laughs> How do I make this stack view do what I want it to do? It's off a little bit. Yeah, I guess I I relearned not to nest stack views. Because crazy stuff happens. Yeah. The stack views inside of scroll views. Yeah. And coincidentally, since a text field happens to be a scroll view, also, that putting those in a stack view is a little bit painful as well. So, yeah. Fun times. Why don't we do this front-end dev anyway? <laughs> it was for it's for a charity. It's all good. It was. Yeah. There's a record number of participants this year. Yeah. I yeah. think nationally, it's that that's it was this past weekend. So, any of our listeners who are curious about what it is, they kind of have to wait till next year. But you can check it out. There might be one in your area still getting ready to go on. Just depends. You can at least put it on your calendar for next year, if not. And this, this thing is called Give Camp, and is there somewhere they can go to to learn about if there's any near them? I think it's the, the National Give Camp site is givecamp.org. All right. I'll put a link in the show notes, too, if that's the right thing. <laughs> I believe so. But, yeah, it's a, <clears throat> it's a good event. Um, you know, you, a bunch of nonprofits ask for some tech stuff to happen, and... Uh, I think I saw some news article that was like, it's the Habitats uh, for Humanity for Nerds, which is fairly accurate, so. It's a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, you just got kind of like a two, three-day hackathon where you build stuff, so it's it's a good time. So, we got a nice uh, Christmas present coming up on Thursday, right about when this podcast will go live. And along with that, we have some Mac OS and iOS updates. So you guys get your your full-on GMs downloaded today? I got most of them downloaded. I got the Xcode GM right after I submitted an app. And I'm like, ah, do I resubmit it with the new GM? No, just let it go. I'm sure it'll be <laughs> fine. Yeah, especially if you're sticking with classic Objective-C. Yeah, it turns out that... uh. The new Xcode includes Swift 3.0.1, which, from what from what people on Twitter are saying, has some actual 
breaking changes uh, compared to Swift 3.0, which sounds kind of insane. <laughs> there, there was at least one comment about that. Uh, we haven't been able to confirm what that change might be. So I, I think we'll we'll hear more later this week if uh, if there is a real breaking change or, or multiple changes. Well, you're not writing cutting edge Swift code unless it's going to break within a, a few weeks of writing it. So <laughs> it's the price you got to pay to be on the edge. Yep. Yep. But yeah. Looking forward to that hardware announcement. Yeah. I know I'm... what's going to go on my Christmas list early. Yeah, I'm expecting to be disappointed as always, but you know what what we want and what we get tend to not match up too closely. Alex, you're such a pessimist. We'll get the big sellers, like the MacBook Pro updates, but I think the Mac Pro is still going to be postponed for a while longer. Maybe the iMacs as well. You mean they're not going to have the uh, the mid mid level gaming tower for me? <laughs> Probably not. Um, and we might get better graphics cards. Um, kind of, at least in the high-end MacBook Pro, there's there's a chance we might get some newer graphic cards that can compete a little bit more. From what it sounds like, one of those AMDs, right? Yeah. yeah Razer, uh, which is, a, they make gaming machines and gaming mice and keyboards. They have their new laptop. And it's quite a beast, and you can combine it with their core, uh, which I think you can put three or four additional graphics cards in the core. So you can get a pretty heavy-duty uh, gaming machine and still have the portability. You leave the core on your desk and take the laptop with you. But when you want that high-end desktop gaming experience, you, you have the core to give you the extra power. Sounds like a Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Which is, that's getting pretty good reviews so far. Well, the Nintendo the Switch, Switch is, doesn't change power, though. It's always the same. The dock is yeah. just to right. kind of like put it on the TV. Right. Maybe they need a kinda, core. You've got the <laughs> console version and the portable version kind of all in one. Yeah, they certainly could do something like that. I don't think there's anything stopping them other than it being Nintendo and... They never really like to put out cutting-edge hardware. If my mm -hmm. prediction is they, they make a VR headset that you can just slide that sucker into at some point in the next couple of years. <laughs> I don't know if Nintendo's is going to go after the, the VR space or not. doesn't seem like necessarily their market. Not right away, for sure, yeah. Not that they couldn't create some excellent games, but they're definitely more of the casual gaming experience. Right. Oh, we'll see. I mean, they're focusing their efforts on Super Mario Go right now to give us that'll give us a little something to be happy with for for the time being. Super Mario Run, I believe. I think there's a a new uh, Legend of Zelda and a few other good titles already planned. Well, that's been delayed actually by over a year now. The Zelda one. It looks like there's a new was, Mario game though, so it'll be it'll be good times if you're a Nintendo fan. Yeah, yeah, it could be oh, a yeah. good Christmas season for gaming next year. Yeah, because that's not coming out till the springtime. Oh, okay. So it's a like a Google style announcement. 
Oh, the first, the first Google dig of the night. Yeah, at least you know, at least you know, Apple might disappoint us, but at least usually we get to order it shortly after the announcement. Although the rumor is that they may pre-announce the uh, the monitor because it doesn't sound like that'll be ready, nor will the iMac, or maybe they just won't talk <laughs> about them at all. So we'll we'll see shortly after you guys hear this. Yeah, well, Apple's done that a lot. They've done staggered hardware releases. Yeah. The pen didn't come out right away. The the AirPods, they haven't been released yet. Well, and they, they, they pre-announced the Can't Innovate My Ass uh, Mac Pro uh, like months ahead of time, too. So it's, it's yeah. happened before yeah, that recently. Yeah, it took a long time to, to actually ship. Like, even after you could start ordering it, it still took a while to ship. Yeah, well, they announced it at DubDub, and then it was ready in December. So, yeah, about six months for that one. Yeah, and that one was made in the U.S., right? It was. It was definitely assembled there, yeah. That's what made means, right? (laughs) Close enough. (laughs) Your standards are too high, Sam. (laughs) Or Alex, whoever said that. I, I mean, we should... I suspect that the AirPods will go on sale at the end of this week. Uh, with the announcement I, and I think most people expected the AirPods not to be announced uh, with the iPhone I mean certainly we had rumors about it but I don't think it was expected to be ready um, by that announcement uh, so we could see something similar with the monitor maybe even the Mac Pro pre-announced they, they definitely said when it was coming yeah oh no no they said late October so we should get those um, okay. This week, there's not much time left. And for those people that are still holding out for their seven plus Jet Black, they could have their AirPods before they have their phone. Those are still in short supply. In fact, really, the whole seven plus line is in short supply. Yeah, I think the seven uh, had what seemed to be fairly regular shipments going to the stores and available. Uh, at least that same day, uh, but there were rarely ever any seven pluses available uh, for in-store purchase. At least around Even here. Even as floor models, yeah. Yeah, the the Jet Black definitely. I don't. They didn't have much in the way of display models. I think they were probably dealing with the people who had signed up for the uh, the renewal plan. Yeah, they kind of messed those guys up a little bit too, at least at first. But they they did it right, and they took care of them. So one more thing about the Mac OS updates. It sounds like there's probably some keyboard changes for the the rumored uh, function bar um, LED strip or whatever it's going to be. Uh, because the magic it, touch bar yeah the magic touch bar what a horrible name um, <laughs> uh, but but lots of people's keyboards are broken with this new mac os update um, so maybe wait for the 10.12.1.1 update or not. <laughs> <laughs> so i've been running the betas and my keyboard is a logitech uh, wireless one and it's been fine now are they saying that in the the actual GM that this is happening and not in the betas? Um, 
I, I just saw a bunch of reports on Twitter that like the Microsoft, their split keyboard isn't working and people with other keyboards like uh, the A key wouldn't work. Some like I and H and J or I and J keys were swapped and the command and option keys were kind of reversed if you had a like a keyboard that was made for Windows. So some weird stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Well, mine is definitely a, a Mac-specific keyboard, so maybe it'll be okay. Yeah, maybe that's why you're good. Hope so. So did you guys see this uh, article about parsing JSON and a little uh, performance shootout? Today it came across in Natasha's newsletter. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, it's I saw it pop up in a few different places. And uh, to be honest, I hadn't heard of any of the JSON parsers that were mentioned. Uh, there's so many <laughs> the out there heard... that it's hard to keep up with all of them. Yeah, the only one I heard of was Argo prior to that article. Prior to reading that article. Yeah. So they did mention Argo and Swifty JSON, and I had heard of those and am somewhat familiar with both of those. Swifty JSON is one of the ones that, that I've used in the past that I've actually been looking for something to replace it because it's. It, I think they struggled a little bit keeping it up to date with Swift 3 for some reason. It kind of lagged. Oh, behind. that was a uh, political issue, actually. The, Their developers are in China, and China has a little thing going on with GitHub these days. So they, they actually couldn't get to GitHub to update the library. So with that, and just the fact that Swift has come a long way, and there's some newer libraries mm -hmm. that do things a little bit different, like take advantage of the Swift error handling. Uh, so it's perhaps a little bit of a safer parsing. Uh, but there were three libraries that were mentioned specifically in the comparison. Yeah, what was Unbox? Or, and then Marshall? And what was the third one? I believe it was Mapper. Mappable? Mapper. Mapper. Yeah, Mapper. Yeah. None of those three, and I wish the um, thing had covered Freddy, because that's yeah. one that's on my radar. Yeah, and Freddy's the one I had been leaning towards switching to, and it looks a lot like uh, some of these others that are mentioned. Uh, might have some features that aren't demonstrated here, but most of the three primary ones that I compared uh, followed a very similar model. And, uh, you know, he, he gave mention to Argo and Swifty JSON and mentioned Swifty JSON's kind of old and, and error prone. And Argo was the slowest of the bunch, and he had to change his model in order to accommodate Argo. Just like to state yeah. that I'm not involved with Argo at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not that Argo. But um, you would claim. If it had come out on top, you would claim some kind of relationship to it. Oh, yeah. Um, that's natural, yeah. Okay. And Argo also has some dependencies of its own. It depends on, I think, uh, runes and 
one other thoughtbot framework. The name's escaping me right now. Yeah, I can't think of it either. But um, but it's got its own dependencies, so that kind of adds a little bit of a complexity to using that that particular yeah. framework. Uh, and I definitely kind of run into issues if you don't set up your dependency management properly. You can't build Argo, uh, so you got to make sure you have the dependencies available. Um, Argo also takes advantage, uh, which you know the runes dependency I think is what provides all the operators. So it uses a lot of custom operators, which some people like that and and some people don't. I personally am not a fan of going overboard with uh, operators and. Like I think there's very rare circumstances where it makes sense, and most of the time I'd probably rather just have a a function name. Yeah, if it if it helps a library kind of adapt to the native syntax so that things look a little bit better, like overloading a the plus or something like that, and it makes sense, then yes, I'm for it. But if you're creating all these fa- funny weird symbols just for your library i'm not going to remember that it just puts too much cognitive load on the programmer to remember that i have to do a squiggly arrow for this library and a fat arrow for that library it's just not good and there's the whole operator precedence and you know if you have multiple libraries that use the same symbol that could you know, you have to deal with that as well. I will say that Argo mostly borrowed the operators from Haskell and is relatively consistent in how it uses those those operators compared with languages like Haskell. So it should somebody coming from that perspective is going to have an easier time with it. Um, but uh, kind of jumping to the punchline here is you know Marshall ended up being the fastest uh, by far in terms of JSON serialization, which was pretty much the same across the board, and object mapping. So Swifty JSON doesn't even really handle object mapping for you. It's it's mostly just the serialization, and then you've got to do the mapping for you. It doesn't provide any protocol or anything that you implement in your your classes to, to do the mapping. So no, no yeah. standard convention. Uh, from that framework but otherwise right um, pretty much works the same um, but full disclosure it appears that the author of the article is also a contributor to Marshall <laughs> so yeah take it with he a grain of salt a, he may not be a major contributor but he has contributed and is listed on the contributors page yeah but the the code's all there people can download it check it out and I imagine that the results are repeatable. Yeah. And for the, like I said, most of these look fairly uh, close to each other. Like there's not any huge differences. There's perhaps a little bit different naming convention, but um, the syntax-wise, it's, it's there's not a huge difference. And you know, I definitely would try Marshall out. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my radar. Another one that 
kind of came across was a SVG library for uh, written in Swift called Macaw. And that's one of those things where I get a lot of SVGs in uh, various work that I do and I either have to get the designer to convert that to a, a PDF that I can use or just give me the straight up PNGs for these fixed sizes and that's no fun. So getting a good SVG parser for iOS is kind of difficult. There's, there's just not a lot of them out there that fully support the spec. I know um, the one, uh, oh, what's it called, SVG kit is pretty good, but it seems a little bit slow and it's kind of bulky and it definitely will spam your log file with a lot of stuff complaining about how Apple doesn't work quite right. Is that a Swift one or is that an older Objective-C one? That's an older Objective-C one, but I found that to be the most complete so far in what I've tried. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I used SVG Kit like four or five years ago. And it was, I mean, it did the job, but... Yeah, it definitely does the job. Uh, there are some other ones out there that are decent, but they maybe only support a small subset of the spec. I actually contributed a patch to another one to uh, support circles and rectangles. Actually, no, it did rectangles, but it didn't do circles and ellipses. Ellipses. So, yeah, your mileage will vary when looking at different SVG parsers for iOS. So I want to try out this Macaw one, see how good that is. So as we record, um, Alex, you were telling us that uh, you had some random lights going on in your room. Do you want to tell us what you think might be up with that? <laughs> uh, I just joking that uh, that my lights uh, they're they're in the uh, Internet of Things. They're they're smart lights. The Hue Philips Hue, and I was just joking that they're launching a denial of service attack, so they shut off on me. Yeah, it seems like we've been having some issues over this this past weekend, and hopefully by the time you hear this, they've cleared up. But it sounds like there's this botnet called Mirai uh, that's basically all the Internet of Things devices and, like, routers and stuff everything that just is either like completely wide open by default or has like a default password that no one changes there's like 10 million devices i think that we're all like taking down dns servers so if you wanted to do anything on the internet especially last friday you were having some troubles yeah and that was mostly concentrated on the east coast of the u.s uh so the uh, a lot of places weren't affected, but I think some the first big service providers the like Coast, yeah. But the yeah. the second one it was the entire United States, I believe. It, so that was a pretty. But instead of attacking specific sites, they attacked an upstream DNS provider. So they were able to hit a whole bunch of companies at once, including PayPal, GitHub, Twitter. 
Uh, so if you're a developer, there's a good chance you ran into it. Um, I had to tell other people that it was even happening. I think a lot of the news networks didn't even seem to know. CNN was affected by it, but it wasn't until late in the day that they finally had any serious coverage of it. And uh, a lot of them preemptively said it was a brief attack, not realizing that it was just the beginning. <laughs> and I think for the most part, it's still going on. It's just a matter of them mitigating the exposure. I didn't actually see the, the segment on Fox News, but there was a picture of them describing the what a denial of service, a distributed denial of service was. And uh, <laughs> it looks like it was going to be pretty hilarious. I'm Is sure the somehow they tied it Sam? into uh, somebody's email server. I'm, 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 I have to imagine <laughs> that was part of that explanation. Did I show you the one with the fish, Sam? Yeah, that one was good. It was a bunch of bunch of guys like uh, with a big giant net and in a like a lake or something catching fish and at first you know the fish are jumping over it and try and trying to get through and then all of a sudden there's just like a giant mass of fish and they like bowl bowl the sky over i'll have to put that link in the the show notes it's good stuff (laughs) yeah hopefully this was not a trial run for uh when apple has their event and so we won't be able to stream it (laughs) (laughs) that would be horrible and it does kind of highlight this whole internet of things. You've got a lot of devices out there that that add a new vector, a security vector to your infrastructure that is more difficult to secure. And a lot of the things, yeah. it's not like you can just like uh, telnet in command line and you know run a firewall or something. It's you know there's there's no easy way to you know you might have some of these devices in your house and unless you've got something monitoring outbound network activity you you wouldn't even necessarily know yeah it's almost like you know regular people have like you know a bunch of servers in their house but there's no system administrator to keep things up to date or keep things (laughs) secure so right and a lot of things that were compromised were things like webcams and printers and and you know things people probably had in their house for for a long time and never really thought of them so much as being something that needed to be secured what's really scary about webcams being (laughs) co-opted imagine all the pictures that are going to go around on the dark net these days from this dark net doesn't exist sam oh yeah you're not supposed to talk about it right Right. All right, you got our podcast flagged by the government. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we won't be back next week.